This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. And we are back for another day indeed as we uh, get rolling here with the Employment Hour. Good, uh, if you're joining us, you can always call in. We'd love to talk to you uh, this afternoon, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on sale. As we get into our topics and discuss everything under the banner of employment, uh, you have questions about your severance, your employment, your boss. Maybe you are the boss. Maybe you have employees that aren't uh, doing too well inside the workplace or you're calling on behalf of a friend or family member. We'd love to talk to you here tonight. As we always get started, uh, Lior, we'll get to the severance pay calculator in just a bit but we always start with the week that was how was the week well john thank you very much and you know it's 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 getting busier and busier our, our bc office is uh man a lot of people are calling us with questions with issues with problems and and you know we want to help as much as possible so keep those calls coming you know we're, we're trying to get the message out there to everyone here listening to us that there's hope, there's, there's good laws to protect employees. Man, there are really, really good laws here in BC that, that help protect and enforce employee rights. But you gotta, you gotta stand up for yourself. You're not gotta, you can't shy and back off, uh, when you're concerned, when you, you're not sure if your legal rights have been uh, messed with. So that's what we do. That's what I do. My colleagues do every day of the week. And that's what we do here, you and I on the show. Every Sunday, as we answer those questions, we help people. People then may uh, be listening to us and not having a good day or a good week because something happened in the workplace. Well, don't stew about it. Don't worry about it. Don't just uh, uh, be there and, and, and you know lose sleep. Give us a call right now. Let's talk about it. Let me answer your questions. Let me solve your problems. Let me tell you what to do. And to get us started, John, uh, let me talk. The week there was a couple of situations that I dealt with uh, very recently. First situation involved uh, a lady that worked as a salesperson. She uh, she worked there for a few years, no problem, but recently got a, a very uh, a negative uh, performance review followed by a, by a performance improvement plan. In this performance improvement plan, they set certain milestones that she has to meet, certain things she has to do better, she has to communicate better with her boss, she has to uh, file reports uh, better, she has to follow up on her leads, all kinds of things were outlined there. Uh, she didn't think that it was unreasonable, so she let it be. Uh, well, fast forward two and a half weeks later, just shy of three weeks later, John, um, they call her into a meeting and they say, you know, we have this performance improvement plan uh, with you, but you didn't improve enough. So we're letting you go. We told you that, you know, if you didn't shape up, then we're going to let you go. So today's your last day and here's your severance letter. Uh, and by the way, in that severance letter, they said that because of, of the fact that we warned you before, you're not, we're not going to pay you anything. So yep. pack up your belongings. Well, you'll get paid to your last day and off you go. That's when she called me. She wanted to know, is that right? Can they do this given the fact that they gave me uh, a negative performance improvement plan? Now, can they let me go for cause? Right. Well, John, the answer was no, absolutely not. Now, one of the main reasons as to why they cannot let her go for cause is the fact that Two and a half weeks is not enough time to improve performance. You can't tell someone, here's all the things you need to do to improve to keep your job, and two and a half weeks later say, aha, well, you didn't do it, you're out of here. Uh, that's unreasonable. No one's going to change overnight. You need to give people time. You need to offer people assistance. You need to give people the proper opportunity, proper uh, uh, chance to improve performance. In this case, they didn't do it. 
And the other reason why it wasn't caused is her performance really wasn't that bad. It's not like she was such a terrible, horrible employee where they were losing a lot of money on her. So take that together, John. They did not have cause, which means they owe her full severance. For her, uh, she's been there about five years. So we're looking about eight months pay for her. So that's a lot of money. It's going to be over $40,000. So uh, the lesson here, very, very simple, very clear, is it's not enough for your employer to say, here's what you need to do to improve. They have to give you the proper opportunity to do it. They can't say, we told you yesterday, you didn't improve today or last week or even a couple of weeks ago. Usually that's something that takes a few months, sometimes even longer than that. Your employer, if they want your performance to improve, they have to provide assistance and provide right. help. It's simply not enough to say, improve or else. That's what they did here. Not good enough. And, and John, they really pulled the trigger prematurely. 604-283-3, uh, pardon me, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. What else you got going on in there? Second matter, John, very different. Uh, another lady that uh, called me after she heard our show and what uh, happened to her, very you know frustrating situation. She received a job offer from, uh, from a company um, in Vancouver and uh, she was happy with it. She was very pleased. It was more money than what she was making before. So she quit her job. Uh, she ha- she was working previously. Worked for about mm-hmm. uh, uh, two or three years. Quit her job, and you know was looking forward to start. And then about two or three days before she was supposed to start, she got an email from uh, her would-be boss saying, "Unfortunately, some things have changed on our end. We lost funding for the project you were supposed to be working on, so we're not going to be able to offer you this job." Okay. Now this is after she had already accepted the job. This is after John that she quit her job. And she oh. was distraught. She is now left with no job. Uh, she is uh, the main provider in her home. And she was very, very concerned. She wanted to know what her rights are. That's what she called me. So here's the thing. First of all, once you've already accepted a job, even before you start, you, you are considered an employee when it comes to your termination entitlement. So, so she has rights. The most important thing here is because she left a job, because of what they told her that she has a job, she quit her job, she now has losses. She lost the income on that job. Yeah. So the equivalent of what they have to pay her now is as if she get, she's getting severance from her previous job. So with her previous job, she probably, if they let her go, she would have received three or four months pay. That's what these guys, this new company owes her, even though they never actually had her start working. So if you're ever in a situation where your employer uh, withdraws a job offer before you actually start working, you may have legal recourse, especially if you can show that you've lost something. You've relied on the representation that you have a job and you lost something, then you actually will be owed damages in those situations. If that happens to you, you absolutely should give me a call. What's the threshold for that? Do you have to, is it, if, if it's gone as far as you've signed an employment agreement and then they say, oh, sorry, the, the, you know, the situation's changed, we can't have you on? Or does it have to go that far? No, it doesn't even have to go that far, even if there's well, no employment agreement. As long as they say, you know, we're offering you a job and you say, yes, that's fine, even though the agreement is still to come, that at that point, once you say yes, then you've accepted employment and it's fine. They can't just withdraw it without repercussions. So for employers, if you're not sure, if there's any doubt, you're still waiting for someone to to, to approve it or you're waiting for uh, financing to come through, wait for that before you actually offer someone the job. You may tell them, listen, I, I'm hoping to offer you the job. I won't know for sure until Tuesday. Whatever it is, you can do that. You can't just offer a job and then take it away. That comes with legal recourse. 
this sounds familiar to you, you need to get a hold of Lior at any time, 604-283-3123 or Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Severance Pay Calculator, here's a good tool. We like to talk about this all the time too, right? John, uh, Severance Pay Calculator is a tool that I created because of a need, because I identified a need out there for people to know and find out to have an easy way to determine how much they owed if they lost their job. So I created the Severance Calculator, which is available online. It's free. It's severancepaycalculator.com. Again, severancepaycalculator.com. And what you do is you once you log on that website, uh, you answer three questions. That's it. You don't have to put in your name. You don't have to do anything. Answer three simple questions from a drop-down menu. It's about your age, your position, and the length of your employment. And find out how much severance you're owed. Maybe you're curious. Maybe you're, you think, well, they're making some changes, I know, to my workplace. So, hey, what would I be owed if they decided to let me go? You go to severancepaycalculator.com, and about 20 seconds flat, you find out exactly how much you're owed. It's free. It's anonymous. It's accurate. There's no strings attached. I just want you to have that information. And if you're chatting with a buddy of yours uh, over a drink, and he tells you that uh, he's losing his job, you have to tell him as well to check out severancepaycalculator.com. Now, your first thought is that the number is going to be overly um, you know, inflated. It, it's going to be more than you would have had a job offer if you phoned the ministry. It's going to seem huge, but it's accurate. It is accurate, John, and a lot of people call me to say to ask, "Is this right?" You know, it tells me that I'm owed 18 months' pay. Can this be right? It is right. It is accurate. A lot of people have assumptions that are incorrect. They believe that they're owed a lot less than they are actually owed. A lot of employers, by the way, are under the same misapprehension. So don't be shy. Don't be uh, surprised when you go to severancepaycalculator.com. You input your information. That number that it gives you there at the end is accurate. The number that gives you is exactly what the law says you should have. I don't say it. It's not my decision. It's what our courts have determined over the many years uh, that we've had courts here in Canada. Those courts have determined what you're owed in those situations. Biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. That is the topic we're going to get into after we take a short break here. Phone lines are wide open. You have concerns about your employment like we've been talking about here since we got started. Call us. We'd love to hear from you tonight. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell as well. Just getting warmed up. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming right up. News Talk 980 CKNW. Lots more to come here. The Employment Hour, 604-280-9898 to call in or star 9898 on your cell. We're going to get into this topic tonight as we roll the biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. We'll get through a bunch of these, uh, Lior, and you can uh, elaborate and expand on each one. Not understanding the difference between an employee's minimum, I said minimum, and full termination entitlements. What the road Wow. Yeah. Well, th- that's a big one, John. And, you know, generally over the past few months, you know, been doing the show here, some people have criticized me for being very much on the employee side and maybe being somewhat unfair to employers. Uh, you know, I'm hard on employers. Well, you know, I-, I don't know if that's completely right. I just try to call them as I see them. And in some situations, maybe many situations, employers, you know, try to get away with certain things. But I, I-, I am experienced enough to know that many times employers have or want to try to do the right thing, but often they just don't know any better. They end up doing things that they shouldn't be doing 
to, to try to compromise employee rights, not because they're bad, not because they want to get away with anything, but because they don't know any better. So we want to talk about that over the next couple of segments. We want to identify some of those pitfalls for employers and for employers to be aware of it, as well as for employees to be aware of them. So yep. I think these are very important. And probably the biggest one, John, and, and we'll start with the biggest one, is the one you mentioned, which is not understanding or identifying the difference between a person's minimum termination entitlements and they'll, their full termination entitlements. And man, if you get this wrong and you're an employer, you're going to have a wrongful dismissal lawsuit on your hands. So, so let's break this down. A person has minimum entitlements under a statute. And here in, uh, here in BC, it's the Employment Standards Act. And those are, those, the Employment Standards Act outlines a person's minimum termination entitlements. That's it, minimum. A week's pay per year to a maximum of eight weeks. But those are minimums. And every employee has greater, bigger entitlements than that under our common law, or what I like to call a person's full entitlements. And those full entitlements are going to be many times more than those minimum entitlements. It could be two times, three times, even 10 times a person's entitlements. Those are, of course, based on age, position, and length of employment. But often what we see happen is an employer may not appreciate that a person has entitlements over and above what's in the Employment Standards Act. So an employer may let an employee go. They've been with me for three years. Employment Standards Act says I owe them three weeks pay. Hey, I'll be, I'll be generous. I'll offer them five weeks pay instead of three. Right. And then before they know it, they get sued for wrongful dismissal. Well, wait a second. What just happened here? I thought I was being a good guy. Well, what happened here is you didn't know, didn't understand, didn't appreciate that that five weeks is still a heck of a lot less than the employee's full entitlements. Maybe that employee's owed six months pay. And had you known, you may have done something different. So you have to keep that in mind. You can't just rely on those minimum entitlements. If you are an employer and you want to know how much you have to pay an employee, you can call me or the other thing you could do is you can check out the severance calculator yourself. You go to severancepaycalculator.com because what that calculator does is it outlines what the person's full entitlements are, not those minimum entitlements. So if you, you're you listening to our show right now, if there's one thing you take from this show, really from any show that we do, is that there's a difference, a very big difference between a, between a person's minimum termination entitlements and their full entitlements. You keep that in mind, you'll be fine in most situations. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 to call in. Talk to Lior. you got questions about your severance or anything we're talking about, uh, feel free to for, bring them on. we got lots of time here talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. They don't appreciate that they have to actively deal with workplace harassment issues. Right. And, and you know, I, I certainly in the last few years, I've seen there's so many times, man, more times that I can count where employers don't understand their responsibility as employers to deal with workplace harassment. Oftentimes it's uh, the mentality, you know, kids will be kids or boys will be boys. Yeah. And, you know, you guys deal with it yourself. It's not my job. You know, you guys learn to behave and, and, and play nice. Uh, I have a business to run. Now, even though I can understand that sentiment, that's the absolute wrong thing to do. As an employer, you have a strict duty, number one, to have policies in place to deal with workplace harassment. And then if you find out about workplace harassment, you have to investigate, you have to take measures to rectify it, and you have to solve the problem. And if you don't, and here's the problem, if you don't do it, 
then not only uh, are you you breaching the uh, uh, the laws here in BC, you may be uh, in, in breach of the regulations under uh, WorkSafe BC, but you could also find yourself to have constructively dismissed an employee. Oh. You can find yourself potentially also in violation of human rights legislation. So that's a very bad thing to do, and, and that's just an invitation for a lot of legal expense and, and heartache later on. So if you're aware of workplace harassment and you're the employer, you have to deal with it. You have to try to solve it. You have to rectify it. Uh, you can't ignore it. And, of course, the flip side of that, if you're an employee and you are suffering from workplace harassment, the first thing you should always try to do is deal with it internally. Go speak with the owner of the company or with the HR person or with your boss uh, as much as possible and give them the opportunity to resolve it. If you can't do that because maybe it's the owner of the company that's harassing you or maybe you've tried and they won't do anything about it, that's when you have to, have to, have to give me a call, okay? Deal with it internally, and if you're an employer, make sure that you address it, you rectify the problem, and you do not ignore it. There's always more uh, information as well, VancouverEmploymentLawyers.ca. You can call uh, Lior directly, 604-283-3123. Got open lines you want to talk to us tonight. You know that number, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. You're an employer now. This mistake you could be making because you don't know any better, not providing notice of termination in writing. Not verbal, in writing. In writing, John. So if you're letting someone go and you're giving them advance notice of that termination, that notice has to be in writing. It can't be verbal. Uh, It can't be something that you had a discussion over a cup of coffee. If it's verbal, it doesn't count. So if you see, here's the scenario. So you tell an employee that, okay, we're letting you go in two months. uh, And then two months later that you say, hey, as I told you two months ago, uh, today's your last day. Well, guess what? If you did it verbally, that notice doesn't count, which means you'd have to pay severance instead of it. Because one way an employer can reduce its severance obligations is to provide advance notice of the termination. But if you don't do it in writing, it doesn't count, So, which means it's as if you never gave it, so, so don't bother with it. A lot of employers gave notice. I even had some situations where I've seen employers give 12 months notice, but they did it verbally, okay? And they did it verbally a few times to avoid any confusion. But because it wasn't in writing, it's very clear. It's right in the Employment Standards Act. It doesn't count. You have to give it in writing. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. And then you'll find yourself having to owe a lot more compensation than you realize. It is a common mistake that employers make because they don't know any better. And, of course, the flip side of this, again, is if you're an employee and you give you, yeah, and you get verbal notice of termination, that notice doesn't count. So when employment employment does come to an end, you have to be compensated as if you've received no notice whatsoever. This one's one of the easiest ones too, because you could it's a, it's a simple piece of paper and you can avoid much strife and financial hardship as an employer, right? Yeah, I, I think that oftentimes you know either employer don't, don't know any better. Sometimes it could be kind of you know laziness. Why well, told him he's losing his right. job? Told him, told him he's going to be let go. But do I need to actually put it in writing? It seems like an unnecessary formality. Well, it's not an unnecessary formality. It's actually a legal requirement. And if you don't do it, then you know as the employer you're going to end up being on the losing end of that. So it, it's just a very good practice to engage in. Talking about the biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better, entering into an enforceable job offer. 
unenforceable. Yeah, job unenforceable offer. job offer. Yeah. Yes, no, exactly. Uh, and oftentimes employers think that if we agree to something, if it's in writing, hey, that's it. It's enforceable. We agree to it. Look at it. But no, an employment agreement is a document that has that has to meet certain rules. Our courts have been very clear about the rules those have to meet. It can't breach the Employment Standards Act. Uh, it, it can do many other things. So oftentimes an employers don't draft them properly, don't have a lawyer review them, or, or enter into agreements that the law would not validate, so they become unenforceable. Another way an employment agreement would be unenforceable is if the employer had the employee sign the agreement after they started working, right. uh, in which case it's probably not enforceable unless they got something in return. So the employer may be holding that piece of paper, thinking, I had the employee sign the agreement, I have a signed agreement with them, and it gives me all kinds of rights and powers, but because they didn't do what they were supposed to, because the agreement wasn't drafted properly or wasn't entered into properly, the employer may end up with an unenforceable employment agreement. Uh, and, and I always say that the employment agreement is probably the most important document that an employee and employer will enter into. Uh, you know, whether you're an employer or an employer, that's probably one of the most important documents. So you want to make it enforceable. So many times it isn't uh, enforceable. And the lesson here for our employees as well is just because you signed an employment agreement, don't assume that it's enforceable. Sometimes you may lose your job and the employer says, I'm going to rely on that employment agreement that you signed to limit your entitlements. Well, wait a second. Probably in 80% of the, of the cases, actually, it's not enforceable. So either way, if you believe you're, you're stuck with this employment agreement and it's now hurting you, you have to give me a call. And that number to call us tonight on the air, by the way, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. Lior's number, 604-283-3123. Lots more of the Employment Hour is coming right up. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. We have open lines. Call through, indeed, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. We'll get to that uh, right now, as a matter of fact. Uh, Mike, how are you? Good evening. Too bad. How are you guys? Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you? Um, I'm the owner of a small business, and I recently found out that uh, one of my staff members has been lying about his uh, timesheet, and I'm wondering uh, what my rights are as an employer to uh, potentially fire them for that. Mm-hmm. Is that severe enough that they I would still have to pay severance, or um, you know what if there is some line um, that went crossed and negates the requirement to to pay severance, or if you're always required as an employer to pay that if given short notice. So, Mike, just so I'm clear, when you say uh, lying on his timesheets, you mean that he's putting in as if he's worked more hours than he has? Correct. So if he logged out at, say, 3 o'clock, on a, or like he put down, he's leaving at 5, but is actually leaving at 3. Okay. So so it, it's actually quite simple in the sense that if he, in fact, is doing that, if he, in fact, is, quote-unquote, cheating you so he can get paid more, that's the same as stealing, okay? It's literally the same as stealing. And if that's what he's doing, then that would be cause, okay? Because how can you trust an employee if he's essentially stealing from you? So, yes, you would be able to let him go without any severance. That said, here's what I, I would like for you to do. I'd like for you to, to ask him about it. I want to make sure that there's nothing that you're missing here, that there's nothing that, that, that maybe is wrong or that you didn't realize. Maybe there's a misunderstanding. So you want to make sure there's no valid explanation. But if it's one of those when you know the guy's caught red-handed hoping that you would have never found out, if that is the case, then yes, you can let him go. Just But before you do, tell him, here's what I noticed. Tell me what, wh- why I'm, I'm wrong here. 
And if there's no valid reason, fine. If there is a valid reason, you may have to take a step back and reevaluate, but otherwise you can let him go. And is there a minimum amount of time that uh, we still get a minimum two weeks notice or something like that, or it going to be immediate or effective immediately? If, in fact, he is, you know, as I said, stealing, then that would be cause, which means you don't have to give him compensation notice. You can let him go right away. You have to obviously pay him to the last day of work. You'd have to pay him any outstanding vacation pay that's owed to him, of course. But, no, you wouldn't have to give him two weeks or anything else. Uh, But, again, before you do that, talk to him. Okay. And then um, what other grounds uh, fall under the same category? of? um, So you mentioned stealing, obviously. So besides that, just out of curiosity, what other similar uh, behaviors would qualify for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. And so there's a number of behaviors that uh, are on their their own. They're they're serious enough offenses that would give grounds to to dismissal for cause. So stealing, obviously, a big one. Fraud, uh, you know, violence. So if, you know, he's hitting someone or or hit someone, uh, you know, another big one. Sexual assault, sexual harassment, depending on on the the incident, could all be uh, grounds for for, uh, termination for cause. Really, if the employee does something that makes it just impossible to continue employing them, that's cause. Now, those are the exception. They're not the rule. In most cases, most types of misconduct, one incident is not going to be enough. You'd have to uh, give the, the person an opportunity to improve, give them warnings, etc., build up a case. But if, you know, if we're talking violence, we're talking theft, fraud, those types of things, generally speaking, as long as you can prove that they actually did it, you can let them go for cause without compensation, Mike. Okay. Cheers. Thanks for that. Thank you, Mike. Moving forward, Thank if you, you need to call Lior for uh, for any reason, 604-283-3123 or Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. And for you as well to call in tonight for the remainder of the show, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. As we were discussing before, uh, Mike called through. Thank you for that, Mike. Uh, discussing the biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. Here's another one. Believing that probationary periods, they're assumed. It's automatic. Yeah, why? You know what? We could have probably put this up uh, a, a few rungs on the ladder because it's yeah. so common. A lot of times, employers assume, believe that there's an implied in, uh, probationary period. That, yeah. that you know, there's, it's implied that the first three months say you're on probation. Well, no. Let's take a step back. Absolutely not. No, uh, a probation period has to be, by definition, a creature of an employment agreement. So the only time an employee's actually on probation, okay, is if an employment agreement says so. If the employment agreement says clearly that you're on probation for the first two months, three months, whatever it is, okay, they're on probation. But it's not assumed. Uh, It's not automatic. It's not a practice. None of that applies. And certainly, if you want to get an uh, unpleasant surprise, if you're the employer, is try to let someone go after two months of employment when you don't have a probationary period uh, in the agreement. Guess what happens then? You may owe them a few months' pay, even though they only work for you for a couple months. So if if you want that to happen, great. If you don't want that to happen, you have to have a properly drafted employment agreement that not only sets out what hap- uh, or what the probation period is, but also says what happens if you want to let the person go during the probationary period. Are you going to pay them something? What are you going to pay them? Etc. So again, we don't mess with employment agreements. We don't just uh, go on Google and, and get a template from some sort of a website. Employment agreements have to be done properly. It's an important document. 
But hey, if you do it properly, you only have to do it one time. Okay, you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time. And probationary employees, probationary periods is a classic example. You have to do it right. You have to put that in the employment agreement. If it's not in the employment agreement, the employee is not on probation. Full stop. We'll get to our last one in this uh, this topic of being uh, the biggest mistakes that employers make because they just don't know any better. We could do three shows on this easily with phone calls or without. doesn't matter. Not distinguishing between independent contractor and employee all the time. Yeah, you know, man, man, man. This is huge. This is massive. And, you know, if, if there's someone here, employers or employees, that have not heard our show before, you know, you're about to have your mind blown. Uh, because so many employers, so many individuals, so many people everywhere assume that, hey, if I'm going to ha- have someone as an independent contractor, I just have to call them an independent contractor. Maybe I don't withhold their taxes, and they're an independent contractor. Wrong. In fact, you couldn't be more wrong. The law does not care what you call yourself or what someone calls you and who withholds your taxes. It's irrelevant. The law decides whether, in fact, you're an employee or a contractor. So what happens in many situations is someone may be working as a consultant or an independent contractor believing that they are, and the company believes that they are, but in the eyes of the law, they are employees. So let's break it down further. If you have a a job where you go to an office every day, you work regular hours, you've been doing it for a while, you're taking instructions from a boss, guess what? You are not an independent contractor. I don't really care what you signed. I don't care who withholds your taxes. I don't even care if you have your own company that's incorporated. In the eyes of the law, you're going to be considered an employee, okay? An independent contractor, on the other hand, is someone that's in business for himself or herself, an independent contractor has clients and is running a business and is uh, uh, responsible for their own expenses. So I like to use the, the plumber or, or the electrician example. If you have a problem at home and you call in the electrician or you call in the plumber, that plumber is an independent contractor. The plumber that you call to, to come fix a problem in your home doesn't work for you. He's coming to your place to do a job. When he's done that job, you're going to pay the contractor and he's going to move on to another customer. Right. That's an independent contractor. Okay, so if you if you're hired someone, if you're working with someone, and that person is not really in business for themselves, they actually really work for you. They are your employee. So the problem with misclassifying people, John, is that if you're a company and you have someone that's misclassified, but they they really should be an employee, you're opening yourself up to various claims. You could find yourself having to pay them when you didn't realize overtime pay and vacation pay and statutory holiday pay and minimum wage. And then you may realize, wait a second, you also owe them severance. So for an employer, that's a big problem. For an employee, man, if you're an individual and you believe you're an independent contractor, certainly if, if you lost that job, remember, you actually may be owed severance as an employee. Yeah. even though you believe that you're something other than an employee. So it's a very bad thing to misclassify, not to mention there could be problems with the government, with CRA. So uh, employers do this all the time. It's one of the most common things that I've seen in my practice. Literally, John, not a day goes by mm-hmm. with, when I don't tackle those issues. So I promise you there's dozens of people listening to us right now, both employers and employees, that are gonna find themselves right now in this situation where they're saying, holy cow, I didn't realize that was the case. I didn't realize this person was really an employee or people are working saying, my gosh, I thought I was an independent contractor, but I guess I'm not. And if you have any doubts, any questions, any issues, just give me a call. 
and call us here tonight as well if you have those as well. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. We'll get to an email from Ann. It's Lior at employmenthour.com. Ann says the uh, doctor I work for has said that he will be retiring in six months, half a year. He's not said anything about severance. I've worked for him for 30 years. Do I get anything? Man, of course you get severance. No, yeah. Not even a question. And by the way, I'm not surprised by this, by this question. I've had so many <laughs> uh, emails, questions, clients that, that work for doctors. And, you know, doctors are good people. Man, let, let, let's face it, they are. But they don't really necessarily appreciate their duties as employers. You know, they're, yeah. they're doctors. They think about their patients and medicine, not necessarily of employment law. So, so what happens here, if you're working for the doctor and your doctor's going to retire, yes, at the end of that period, he owes you severance. Now, the six months notice that he gave you counts towards your severance. Now, if you've been there for 30 years, as you said, you're probably going to be looking at right around 24 months severance that you're owed. Now, if you've got six months notice, that counts towards the 24 months, which means he probably only owes you about another 18 months pay. But of course, that's still going to be a lot of money, and mm-hmm. you're owed severance, and he has to pay that severance. Now, I wouldn't wait on this. I wouldn't wait until after the doctor's uh, all retired and, and maybe gone down somewhere warm. You've got to deal with this right now. You've got to deal with this while the business is still operating. Make sure you get your severance. And this happens very often, John. Individuals, uh, whether it's doctors or otherwise, uh, retire, and they think they don't have an obligation towards their employees. Guess what? That's wrong. It doesn't matter if you've retired. You still have to pay severance in those situations. Again, if that happens to you, whether you're the employer or the employee, you know what to do. I've said it before. You just give me a call. Is it a bit of a different situation if that uh, doctor is handing the office over to, a say, another practitioner or another doctor, and there might or might not be a chance to continue employment? Yeah, it is a difference because if you're going to be offered a job by the by the person buying the practice and you're going to continue working for the uh, for the new owner, then you don't get severance right now, but your seniority carries through, which is good, nice. which means down the road, if you're let go, you're going to get your full severance. On the other hand, if you're not going to accept a job with the buyer or the buyer's not offering you a job, then you get severance, okay? How much severance may depend on a number of situations, but you do get severance. You can't lose your job. You can't find yourself unemployed and not get severance, unless, of course, you did something horrible, like we were talking about earlier with Mike. Other than that, if you find if you find yourself out of a job, you have to get severance. Want to call Lior anytime, 604-283-3123. And as I mentioned, it's Lior, L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. We'll take a, a short break. You get right back into it. Ask some more of your emails as well in that regard. To call in, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. It's the Employment Hour. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. And we are back here with the Employment Hour right till 6 o'clock. Uh, your phone calls, as always, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Uh, in that regard, we'll get to uh, Michael. Hi, Michael. Good evening. Yeah, hi. Good evening. Um, yeah, bear with me here because I'm a little nervous on this one. No, nah, you're um, good. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, I've uh, I've been working in the industry that I've been working in for about 30 years. Um, and... Uh, and I've recently joined this company. I've been with them for what five months now, I guess. And and based on my age, it's really kind of hard to, uh, you know, to find a job, um, even with your experience. Uh, ageism is, is just it's discriminatory out there. It's unbelievable. Sure. But 
Uh, but that being said, um, uh, I, I got into a little uh, tiff with uh, with my employer because he expected me to make a presentation to a certain client, um, and he he said that I didn't, um, uh, you know, the, he, that I didn't present it well enough. That I didn't know my background. I didn't know what I was presenting. And and I went to him and I said oh, I didn't have the information at hand because I didn't have all the documents and I wasn't aware of the documents. I mean, the communication was sadly lacking. But to make a long story short, um, he's now starting to pick on my performance in a worse way to the point where I can see at some point in time that I may be, I'm not saying I am, but I may be, he may come back and say, well, this isn't working out. What can I do based on that information even after only four or five months do I got it? Do I have any any avenues here? Well, first of all, Michael, uh, let's start with the kind of the worst case scenario, which is they do end up letting you go if that does happen. First of all, don't assume that just because you've only worked there for a few months, you don't get severance or you get minimal severance. Now, uh, I'm not going to well, ask you personal I questions because I, I, I you, say, you don't want to identify. Say, I must say, I signed a contract at the beginning that said that I yes. I would give them 30 days notice. And they would give me 30 days notice. Well, you know, well, that's good news. Well, so I'm glad you I'm glad you called because, again, I haven't seen the, the contract, of course. But if, in fact, it says that they would give you 30 days notice, that contract is not worth the paper it's written on, okay? okay because that would breach the not. Employment Standards Act. So the, the, the good news is, uh, if that's what it says, again, I haven't seen it, uh, then you probably would be looking, if you know, five months, I th- you said you're older and you're probably not in an entry-level position, you'd probably be looking at three, four months pay easy, okay? It could even be more than that. So th- depending on your age and specific position, it could be as much as six months pay that you'd be owed. So that's kind of number one, the thing I want you to keep in mind. In the meantime, uh, I, I think that what you need to do is, is, is a practical matter is to try to kind of clear the air with this boss and, you know, maybe have a chat with them and say, you know, I think we got off on the wrong foot here or Which maybe I you tried. had some misunderstanding and, and, and try to work things out. Yeah, I, I, I tried that it didn't on help. Friday. It didn't, yeah. Now, the other thing then to do, can you go over his head uh, and, and talk no. to an HR person or the owner and, and, and express some of the concerns? No, it's a family-owned business. No, there's not, th- that's not an option. Okay, it's a family-owned business, so the only thing you could do is record anything you want to record. If there's anything that's said to you, you wish you had a record, create a record, jot it down somewhere, or even send an email to the boss confirming what was happened, because what I don't want the boss to try to do is to try to terminate you for cause. That's going to be very, very difficult uh, to do uh, in this situation anyway, but I don't want that to happen, so... Put that in writing. If he says you did something, you disagree with it, put that in writing that you've disagreed with it. Say, here's why that's not accurate. Here's that's why that didn't happen. And if he does let you go, remember that you're not going to be limited to 30 days, assuming the agreement says what it says. You have to give me a call in that situation, and I'll help you make sure that you get everything that you're owed. In the meantime, just keep records, send emails, confirm everything in writing, and that's all you can do. Mike, appreciate your call, 604-283-3123 to get a hold of Lior. We'll get you in here quickly. Uh, Christy, how are you? Hi, good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is um, with regards to a, an, an employment situation that my husband had. Um, he actually just kind of walked away from it. But listening to your show, I'm wondering if he perhaps has some recourse to go back 
and seek compensation. He worked for First Nation um, in a different province, and he worked for them for for six years. And he did it several different roles. He was director of several different departments. And then at the end, he had an employment contract, too, that said 30 days like your previous caller. Hmm. But um, obviously, that's not necessarily legal. But putting that aside, they transferred him into a different role and doing economic development. A new chief came in, and at the end of the day, they changed the deal that he had um, with them, and then they stopped paying him. So he wouldn't get a paycheck. They stopped Mm -hmm. paying benefits, and so, you know, found out the hard way when you go to fill a prescription that there's no benefits, and they just kind of got a little dirty with him. So last August, a year ago, um, he decided to just move on, and he tends to be that kind of a guy. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to move on. Um, It took him several months to find a new job, but I'm just wondering if a year later he has recourse to seek out not only did the money that they didn't pay him that he worked for, he put Mm -hmm. those hours in, but to go back and and look for... um, compensation yeah christian i'll answer it quickly because we're running out of time but the, the short answer is absolutely has recourse what you've described now is a classic constructive dismissal situation meaning that they changed the terms of employment obviously in a significant way and the result and a result of that he decided to leave that's exactly that's textbook constructive dismissal, which means he could treat his employment as being terminated, even though he's the one that left, and get full severance. Now, even though he was he was there for six years and he left, uh, he could be looking at eight months pay, nine months pay, depending on his specific role and his age. So he needs to give me a call as soon as possible. He's still within his time limits to do this. What you've described is a constructive dismissal, and I need to talk to him as soon as possible. Christy, here's that number as we close for the uh, the show tonight, 604 uh, 3123 again 604 283 3123 to get a hold of Lior. The email is Lior, L I O R, at employmenthour.com. And if you uh, heard us tonight, you want more information outside of show hours, Vancouver employmentlawyers.ca. Till next time, this has been the Employment Hour right here, News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.